Welcome everybody to another episode of Strife's Sanctum. My name is Citizen Strife and this week I'm following up an episode I did a few months back about the original Trigun now that I've finished Trigun Stampede. So this aired either last season or two seasons ago back in spring earlier this year and at first I was definitely going to write this one off because how could you in good conscience, you know, even as a nostalgic property going off, you know, going off something as good, even come close. And in, in my mind, the entire time, the whole thing was, it doesn't have to be. Can it do something that it is trying to do something different with the property? Much like, say, a Final Fantasy VII remake. I know people bitch about the Seven remake a lot, um... But they are trying to do something that can stand on its own. And that's fair. It's a lot harder to do when there's not game stuff to do. But you don't... It's the same thing with the Yamato thing. Like, I liked Space Battleship Yamato, and that was a retread of stuff that was in the 70s. So... I, I think it's one of those things with Trigun Stampede. It's one of those things where you're trying to reinvent the wheel that doesn't need to be reinvented because the old one exists. That having said that, little changes here and there are just bugbears. You know, being investigative reporters instead of insurance sales and whatever stupid shit like that. Really what this show was was a bit of a bit of a sea change in tone. And focusing, and of course, as soon as they start recording, an ambulance has to start running by. Just perfect. I get to do these once a week, and of course, there's a goddamn ambulance. Anyway, it's gone now. Just thought I'd mention that. Anyway, sets the tone, exactly. But setting the tone was the important thing. Because this is a property from 25 years ago that has a distinct identity. Trigun is both the most hilariously dumb thing you've ever seen, but also the most this most insanely poignant and sad thing you've ever seen. So how do you recreate that? Well, what Orange, the production company, did was they didn't even try to do the humor. So if you're wondering what Trigun Stampede is in a vacuum, what it is just by its lonesome, it is the last season of Trigun Stampede as the overall tone. There is some comedy. There is some action. There is some cool moments, but realistically, this is a this is a somber version of Trigon. This is not trying to pussyfoot around the issue. It's almost a little bit lifeless and mechanical in a way, and that does extend to the visual style. That does extend to the com, you know, the the action and the in the combat, because. There's only so much you can recreate with 3D CG, and I've said that I loved, you know, Land of the Lustrous quite a bit because of what Orange did with it, but there are pluses and minuses to using that technology, and there's pluses and minuses to using that technology for everything, you know, and it does come across unnatural. It does come across as lifeless, and it does take a little bit of time to really drive home that they're reinterpreting the old material in a different way, much like the cow, you know, the cowboy bebop 
live action did. They're taking story beats and things you know, but they're redoing it and reconfiguring it. Now, I think this succeeds better than that one did. Um, specifically when things start get going, but it's not perfect. Am I saying that Trigon as a property, the original 1998, 1999 one is perfect? No. I do think the comedy can be a little grating in the first little while but you can tell that there's definitely something in the surface that's leading you to that and i said it in my original review where without that stupid comedy and all the good characters blending together that later stuff would have less impact so you're going into this knowing you have the weight of that okay who are the characters well three of them are the same four technically though this one is a definite re reimagining of knives too um, and you don't even have Millie as the comic relief. And that is what I feel is one of the bigger problems. But I'll get into that in a minute because it, it's going to be hard racking my brain around every single change and every single thing that's different. But we'll start with where they went with the plot. This world is now called No Man's Land. They have cities. And some of the cities, not all of them, but some of the cities that they mentioned are still uh, involved. The Lost City of July is kind of the big tipping point. You have plants, you have seeds, you have ships, you have all that stuff is relatively unchanged and relatively the same. So what is different? Well, Vash certainly is different. Um, they, they got rid of his spiky hair, and that was the biggest biggest change um but again this fits a more somber tone and for anybody who's seen the end of it i'm gonna try not spoil admittedly because that does change the it does change the impact for what things were going on so it's not doing every single thing that the original trigon was going it's not in the same order there's not the same things so you have the same basic plot, Vash and Knives, now voiced again by Johnny Young Bosch, but a new voice actor in Austin Tyndall, who is Ruth in Magus Bride, who plays Knives. So they start out, they also have kids' versions, voiced by uh, Kristen McGuire and Megan Shipman. <laughs> Hello, Anya, never even knew you were there. It's weird when she's not doing the Anya voice, but yeah, she gets to be Anya and the Young Knives. That's kind of a kind of a thing anyway um so they do the whole thing with rem and the ship and you know it's the same setup knives sets it up uses vash to do it they crash land on a no man's land and shit happens they try to make a go of their own or at least vash tries to knives is off doing his own thing growing up as a mean-spirited fuckhead because that's what he is in the original version so 20 25 years go by and you start seeing scenes of people who have who have been affected by vash's appearance and whatnot he tries to make a go of it with you know a ship that is trying to terraform the planet but there are just little niggles here and there that things are just not what they seem. So even though he's being helpful, there's this undercurrent of 
within the flashback that just something's off and they find out what's wrong and then they exile him and then he turns into who he turns into at the beginning of the show. And the way they've approached Vash in this instance is they don't do the stupid comedy. They don't do the donuts. They don't do any of that stuff. He is just the determined yet dour looking Vash the Stampede. And it fits what they're going for because, again, this is meant for a, you know, people who have looked for a different interpretation of the material. You're not going to get that kind of comedy. I don't think Orange could do that kind of comedy if they tried. Like, you know, Phosphophyllite is kind of funny, but then eventually she turns very somber and less comedic. And the show, in turn, tries to be way less comedic. I'm talking about Land of the Lustrous. So, again, I think they kind of knew that if they were trying to do the silly episodes, the ketchup stains, the weird stuff, if you're missing that, yeah, it's going to drive you up the wall. This is not a one-to-one, this is the same guy. It's voiced by the same guy, which is weird. But again, it's not either on Johnny or the writer's fault, you know, because I'm. it's just different. It's different because you're expecting a new interpretation and you get it, but you're also like, where is the comedy? Where is that? And for me, I actually approve of that because the, because if you do comedy and it doesn't land, and I'm not saying that Trigon is perfect because it can get a little cheesy, but it's part of the charm. So it's like half, half of, you know, half a dozen of one, six in the other, you know, that phrase, or I got the phrase wrong. Great. Sue me. It's 530 in the fucking morning. Anyway. Um, but but yeah, you'll hear that a lot. But for what they are doing, they're changing. So Vash is going around living his life trying to either repent or do other things. And, and again, that's been Vash's thing forever. He doesn't want to kill anybody. doesn't want to hurt anybody. doesn't want to shoot anybody. So he trains himself not to do so. I mean, he's still this overwhelmingly powerful person, but he doesn't use it. And it comes to a front eventually when a couple of people call him on his bullshit, because they always do. Um, there is an investigation in a town. I believe it's Genora is one of the first towns they go to where they start mimicking the old material with, I believe it's the Nebraska family. Um, and they definitely play the Nebraska family a lot harsher in this one. But... They're going there, and Meryl and not Millie. So Meryl in this version is voiced by Sarah Roche, and she's a reporter this time, but she's a rookie reporter. So that was a red flag because in the original version, she was the curmudgeonly, I've been here forever and I'm overworked, you know. In this one, she's not bright-eyed, but she has a lot more optimism, which is kind of funny because she's not really optimistic. So... But at the same time, it's more of a recklessness as opposed to being cheerful because Meryl is not a cheerful person. I, I'm great. I'm glad they didn't do that because if you're going to introduce Millie at some point, if you ever do, you don't want Meryl being being the happy-go-lucky one. You want Millie to do that. So in this version, they avoid that. And really the big problem is the character they have to play the the main guy, you know, the the partner, so to speak. So instead of Millie, we get Roberto De Niro. And I see what you did there. It's 
not funny. Uh, voiced by Ben Bryant. And if I had to sum up Roberto in one word, I would say, the old guy drinks too much and has too much time for this shit. That's his entire thing. And if I was to point to one single thing that drove me nuts this entire show, especially given how much luster and how much weight this franchise has, it's that he does not really have a character. He's just there to be the guy who's too old for this shit, which is fine. You know, you you almost kind of expect John Swayze to voice him, given that that's basically who he is. He's like every John Swayze character other than the dude from, what was it, Soul Eater, who is the, the, the Grim Reaper, you know, every like curmudgeon detective or curmudgeon old guy who's too old for this shit, who drinks a lot, smokes a lot, you know, that's fine in a vacuum. If I hadn't seen that character five million fucking times and you're trying to set this show apart. So his involvement in the plot is to teach Meryl that life sucks and then you die. It's just kind of it's kind of basic, you know, and I don't mind basic, but not in this not in this franchise. If you're a, if you're a side character, that's one thing. If you're a main character, if you're trying to be a main character in this, you have a lot you can do, even with the setup that they have here, and they don't do it. His whole thing is, you're driving me, you're a rookie, you're being stupid, don't get involved, ah, whatever, you know, because they're trying to follow a story of Vash the Stampede. The one thing I do appreciate is that Meryl doesn't really question Vash being who he is, like, five six episodes that was one of those running gags that i don't think the original got right the oh, how could it be him you know that sort of thing she does it for like an episode or two but then it's like eh, all right moving on they're smart enough to avoid stupid pitfalls and stupid running gags like that really where the show turns around though is for all my issues with say roberto as a character is wolfwood voiced in this version by David Matranga. And uh, Matranga was a main character for Sorcerer Staffer Orphan. That's a name. Um, <laughs> that was way back in like the late 90s, early 2000s, if you can believe that. And then he was in uh, Copcraft, a little more recent. But he's been in a lot more recent stuff for Funimation and, and especially Sentai. But the best way I would describe his voice is, like, how would I do it? The... And I, I mean this as a compliment because of the characters he does. But you've heard of the term resting bitch face. Well, he has resting bitch voice. Because every voice I hear him do, it's almost like perfectly, subtly, just dickish. Whether he's trying to play that character or not, it just works. And for Wolfwood, in this interpretation, he's basically doing that. He's the, Vash, you're fucking dumb. Why are you doing this? Because he's trying to find him and whatnot. So so the voice actually works in tandem. Because again, they're not going for the comedic Wolfwood. You know, the helps orphans. Well, he helps orphans too, but he does it in a more like dismissive fashion. Just as a determined annoyance. As opposed to self-righteous and I'm happy and everything's happy and here's a confessional and you know, that shit. So again, you can see where I'm going where with, with Trigon Stampede is that they are going for something a lot less frustrating. That being said, it doesn't have 
it, it's like it sands off its edges, but it keeps some of them there because they're going down a path. Once Wolfwood starts showing up in the fourth or fifth episode and you start seeing his involvement with Merrill and Vash and to an extent Roberto, you can finally start to get this camaraderie because the first th- you know three or four episodes, you're just kind of like, I'm seeing the same thing over and over. What are you doing that's different? They start telling you different types of stories. They start interweaving different variations of some of those gung-ho gung characters, like how they were created, how to build the the plot one of my favorite things about trigon stampede is the introduction of zazie the beast who showed up for like half an episode in one thing and really did nothing because he was kind of a kid and didn't do shit in this one he's almost the main villain if it weren't for knives beheading people and killing people and you would think Zazzy was the main villain. It's kind of funny because he gets a lot of screen time and he gets to basically kind of weave in and out where he needs to weave in and out and start being a dickhead to people. So Zazzy gets a lot more screen time and that's good because you only have a couple of real main villains. You have Knives who for some reason, this is one of those weird criticisms and I, and I actually agree with Knives goes from, Hey, he's Vash, but meaner to he controls like these weird tendrils of knives and like yeah it's like tentacle um knives or forks or things it's it's weird like they just curl around his body almost dr octopus style and they just destroy everything so i'm guessing that was one of those concessions that orange made because hey we're good at this 3d cg shit let's just have fun with it I do not recall that being part of Stampede, of the original because it wasn't. I don't recall it being a part of the manga or like Badlands Rumble or anything of any interpretation. It was just something they said was probably a cool visual and it worked. And in those sequences, it does because again, we're getting to those those visual spectacles. If nothing, Orange proved with Land of the Lutris and some of the other stuff that they are good at doing this CG technology. It leaves a lot to be desired when you have the frame rate issues and whatever talking bits because it's not very lifelike at all. There's not a lot of expression in the characters. They do their best. I mean, it's it's okay, but it's really when the when the combat starts because that's what everybody when they heard the name Orange, they were thinking, okay, at least the at least the combat sequences, the fun stuff is going to be happening. Stuff like they're falling in a sandworm or stuff in the late end of the of the show where they go into Lost July and you start seeing where Knives as a character is starting to lead you to go. It, it It's starting to do a lot more big spectacle. And I do think the passage of time, that's really what most remakes do is they up the spectacle because these are things you couldn't do. Back in 1999, think back in 1970, you had to focus on the characters and they were very basic and whatever. And, you know, I I think the the original did better at static gunfights. Like if you were standing right next to a dude and you had a you had a skill set, you were just shooting a dude that sort of like tension. Those sorts of things. I talked about the Nebraska thing. It was played for comedy in most cases, but there was a tension still because it was just them across the room or across the town blowing shit up in just a weird, tense standoff. In this, you're allowed a lot more 
like, hey, Wolfwood's crazy gunmanship can come into play and Vash can turn guns into everywhere. Knives can throw knives everywhere. And you can, you're allowed to do a lot more cool sequences. A lot of stuff is still played for, okay, if it's really dark, there's only so much you can do, but you know, cause later stuff is played more at night. A lot of stuff mid series is played at daytime, which is still effective. Um, so it's a give and take in that sense. I don't think the characters themselves are as expressive as they were because you're not getting the exaggerated faces and the hand-drawn feel. There's something you lose when you're not going hand-drawn. You're going for a more grounded. Even though you have a CG, you're still trying to go for something more grounded. It's tough to really balance that out. The combat sequences are really fun and really exciting, and I felt myself getting drawn into those things. And as far as the story goes, as far as what Knives does, the fact that he gets a lot more to work with is also good, because that was something that in the original they didn't do. He was the mastermind villain. He had his moments, you know, and they did, especially in like the last two or three episodes, try to make Knives the important bad guy. But in the original, you were dealing with Legato half the time because he was the messenger. He always got the screen time. You always kind of foisted all of kind of the anger down on him instead. In this, he's usually giving you flashbacks. He is the one taunting Vash and showing up out of nowhere. He's the one killing people. And that's where I think the show turned around was that Vash... Ooh boy, spoiler, Vash kill you know, knives kills people. Who would have thought? You know, you start seeing things like that and you're like, okay, this is this guy's a lot more menacing because he gets a lot more to do. He does things a lot more. He's still that conniving, sometimes brooding, um you know, mastermind, but he's willing to do more things for for himself, by himself, because he himself can. So that is a big benefit. As I said before, Zazie getting a lot of screen time was really cool. They throw in a lot of, like, um, I don't even know if you would call it genetic engineering, like, weaponization of the plants. I think that's how I would phrase it. Weaponizing the plants for genetic material and, you know, it is a different interpretation. They're not trying to turn No Man's Land into a wasteland. They're trying to turn it into a terraforming situation using the plants, and that's really where Knives' whole fit with humanity is. They're using them to survive. Vash is trying to say, well, they don't have a choice. But Knives is like, no, fuck you. I'm going to turn everybody against you and get fucking lost. So he's a lot more engaged in the plot. He has a more active reason. And you find you kind of find yourself not rooting for him, but sympathizing in a way because you know the backstory of the original and this. And you know that, you know, humans are shit. And, you know, you want Vash to succeed, but you're also sitting there going, you know what? Humanity kind of sucks. I can kind of agree with him because there's a lot of shit that goes wrong. And really, if you're looking into Trigon Stampede as a replacement for Trigon, don't. 
if you're looking for a more serious version of Trigun, that's essentially what you're getting. You're getting the last back half, you know, like the last seven to ten episodes of the show without any comedy. If there is any, it's just banter back and forth. It's not there to, hey, look at us making funny faces. Let's do the stupid shit like pancakes and donuts and ketchup stains and bleh. No, this is a, <laughs> this is a, let's try something different. Let's go a lot worse, a lot more morose. Let's make Vash a little bit more dour and go in line with some of that later Trigun mystique, but fill in the gaps of what, knives was trying to do let's try to change around some of the subplots and not in a way that makes it that it doesn't fit because you're not going to replace a 25 year old anime especially one that was kind of like at the forefront of anime is awesome for like you know american audiences because that was like you know late 90 late 90s was kind of the boom period so it's like there's a fondness for Trigon, and I've said it still holds up really well despite its quirks. So I'm glad that Stampede is going for a different tone completely, but not kind of shortchanging the material. And especially if you see it to the end, you're going to be surprised. And I, I think you're going to enjoy it. Will you enjoy it as much? I don't know. But if you're looking for something a lot more serious, and you don't mind that, then this is a good variation on the material. Uh, special shout-outs to Kiv Baba, uh, um, or Kvi, I think that's how you say it, Kvi Baba, and the opening theme. If you want, like, an opening theme that rivals some of the best OPs in the anime, just listen to Tombi. Like, you could listen to that with and without context, and be just like, fuck, this is fucking great. So yeah, amazing OP, interesting story, Characters that are the same, but slightly different because of the tone. A mechanical kind of intensity, but doesn't seem intense at first. It almost seems kind of lifeless by intention. But even though the the character looks aren't as good, I think the combat and the action sequences are better because of the new technology. So, so there are things to enjoy, and I'm happy that I stuck with Trigon Stampede longer than I thought I would. I thought after the first two or three episodes, I was not going to get into this. I was going to get annoyed. But once, you, once Wolfwood gets in the picture, things start to make sense. Wolfwood and Vash together, much less Meryl and Vash, and especially Roberto because he's done nothing, you know. Those three hold things together while you start piecing together what Knives is trying to do, and that is really the gel that makes the rest of the show work. Wolfwood getting in there at episode four, episode five is really where the show picks up steam and doesn't really drop it. So I think for the 12 episodes that you get, I think this is a good start. And I think they have a good foundation to build in more of the old school Trigon, you know, stuff if they want to. So I would definitely recommend watching it, but that will do it for me today. And let's see what we're on the docket for now. Um, so let me load all my shit here. All right. And journey. There we go. Cool. So got that, got that, got that, got that. Okay. So next week will be Phoenix Wright Trials and Tribulations because it's the third, third year of podcasting. Might as well do the third Phoenix Wright game and do the best one. 
Um, I got so much I want to say about Trials and Tribulations. It's so good! I mean, go with it. Uh, next anime I do will be Interviews with Monster Girls. I gotta say, really freaking awesome. Uh, very subdued for the, so- for the source material, especially considering they could have went for a way more risque, you know, because I think there's a monster Musume show that is more <laughs> funny, we're sexy monsters, let's go, you know. This is more explore- you know, exploring teenage life as a demi-human, which is a cool theory because they don't really focus on any weird aspects unless you're a succubus which is cool but you'll know if you've watched it but i thought interviews was one of those shows that catches you off guard with how good it is and i've rewatched it like two or three times and i've not regretted it ever and i've enjoyed it um going into september and i think september 10th will be river city girls one and two um talking about things I've really enjoyed over the last few years. The guys uh, way forward who made Shantae also uh, changed around. I, I don't think it's the same creators. I think it's different part of the studio. But the guys who make the Shantae games uh, repurposed River City Ransom into like a girl power. You know, they took some of the female characters and made them the leads. So they took Ricky and Kunio and chain, you know, put them to the back end and made Misako and Kyoko the main characters, which is just lovely because you get to see these teenage girls beating the shit out of dudes. So that's all that game is. It's beating the shit out of dudes, but it's got a tendency to, you know, not take itself too seriously. And anybody who's played River City Girls knows that I'm going to love talking about that. Um, but that's what we have going forward. I may throw in a bonus episode about quin- uh, quintessential quintuplets out of just i've been re-watching it and i'm just like bowled over so i'm like i'll just do an extra episode in that i don't care i'm just gonna put it up i'm probably gonna do that just because and you know i'm in that mode where i like i want to do an episode on that so bad because i want to finish watching it anyway so i've got a lot of shit i can do but that'll do it for me today and i will see you guys next time citizen strive signing off